Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Glyn Dewis and Dave Clayton. And welcome back to another episode of He Shoots, He Draws, with myself, Dave Clayton, and my ever-present co-host and great friend, Mr. Glyn Dewis. Hello, mate. Hello, you all right? I'm very well, kind of. Yeah, okay. Well, before we get on with this episode... Just want to say um, I'm going to hand over to Glyn because he's got something quite distressing and sad to share with you. And uh, I think we need to get on with this now. So uh, over to you, Glyn. Thanks, Dave. I mean, I I know that you know how devastated I am about this. Um, So let me just put some music on to set the scene and, uh, and I'll begin. Now, every family has their own challenges. We know that, and mine is no exception. Because of a history of issues, 16 years ago, I lost contact with my family, more for self-preservation than anything else. But as a consequence, I lost touch with my younger brother, Liam. We'd always been super close, playing together as kids and growing up. In the time we'd not seen each other, Liam had raised his own family, two boys and a girl, William, Ben and Shannon. I'd missed out on so much. Time that I'd never get back seeing my nephews and niece growing up and not being the uncle I'd always wanted to be and the big brother, the tower of strength, always there should my brother ever need me. Now just over a year and a half ago, we were reunited and it has been the most amazing, life-changing experience ever. We've made up for lost time. And I am now the uncle I always wanted to be, but just wasn't able to. Now, Liam had never seen me presenting on stage, so this year's photography show at the NEC was going to change that. Saturday, the 17th of March, 2018, was to be an incredible day. A moment in history that we'd never forget, and I never imagined would happen. Liam was coming along to the photography show, but better than that, he was going to be joining me on stage in front of hundreds of people, themselves witnessing an incredibly special event and moment in history. All seemed to be perfect, a dream come true. But then... I posted a picture of our name badges next to each other on my social media, And this is when my entire world fell apart. A few incredible, and by incredible I mean pathetic, people posted comments on social media saying that there was a spelling mistake. There was an insignificant, irrelevant letter N missing on my pass where it said sponsored by the Flash Centre. The N, they pointed out, was missing in the word centre. I was devastated. Only now am I able to get the tears under control, but life as I knew it would never be the same. These incredible, and by incredible I mean pathetic, people had taken time to look beyond the importance of this moment in history and point out there was a completely irrelevant, unimportant and insignificant in the scheme of things, minor, really minor, spelling mistake. So, to those incredible, and by incredible I mean pathetic, people who without prompting, indeed without engaging their brain, took time out of their own lives to point something so insignificant out at such an important time in my life, I'd just like to say from the bottom of my heart, f*** off and get a life. Let's take a quick break and play an ad. Are you finding yourself asking these questions about your business? How can I get more business? What will take me to the next level? I wish I knew what my website was missing. Well, worry no more. Just download the award-winning, award-winning website plugin to boost your ego and your business. One click and it will add the words award-winning in front of any word you choose. For example, I'm a photographer. I'm an award-winning photographer. 
It's that simple. Wow, that's amazing. Does it matter that I haven't actually won an award? No, I mean whoever checks. Get the award-winning, award-winning plugin from Bloom and Cheek. Download now. Terms and conditions may apply. All right, so yes, we are back. You're listening to the award-winning He Shoots, He Draws podcast. Award-winning. Gloss over it, Dave. But uh, we've we've been away at the uh, f- uh, photography show at the Birmingham NEC for the last few days. Absolutely fantastic time. Uh, did lots of stuff there. I was on stage with my brother Liam. Those of you who didn't know that, Dave had a super busy time on the live stage there, Dave. I did. I had 23 sessions, 23 half-hour sessions. Six, six, yeah, six a day for three days and five on the last day, back to back. And yeah, it was interesting. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll end up sort of doing more about the actual photography show itself. But the reason we've got this episode going now is because uh, while we're there, we did actually manage to get a little bit of uh, interviewing done uh, for the podcast. And one of the guys we actually got to interview was David McClelland. So for those of you that don't know David, David's obviously a voiceover guy for the intro, and uh, he's also a journalist, he's a broadcaster, he's a TV presenter, he also does voiceover work, and you know, we talked about loads of stuff while we had him, Uh, it was about talking about kit, about knowing your stuff, preparing for something, um, planning... he, he spoke about the infamous David Bailey interview. Oh, yes. Uh, which yes. was, uh, I think I think it was a disaster that turned out okay in the end, but David will tell you about that. And um, then we went on oh, to Oh, the talk- apps as well, Dave. Those yeah, apps. we talked about some great phone tech and apps. And, uh, oh, we could have talked to him for ages. And we had to, you know, we had to keep it short to... For the for the listeners, we don't. We, need, to... we needed to get to bed. It was getting late. Mate. It was. It was probably caught past eleven when we finished. But David was so gracious because he was flying off to Hong Kong the next day to go and do another tech event. So um, yes, yeah, so, you know, we thank David for giving us the time. But it really was interesting, and uh, and you know, we hope you enjoy it too. Yep. So as we always begin interviews, well, we've only done one before so far, but I'll just kick it off with David. Who are you? I'm David. <laughs> <laughs> I am, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm David McClelland. I, I'm one of those people who single-handedly keeps about eight or nine people on the, on the dole queue because I do quite a few different things. I, I'm a freelance journalist, broadcaster, and the majority of the stuff that I do has got something to do with technology. Yeah. Um, and so, as far as you two guys are concerned, I think the first time I met you was in 2012, as part of this big Adobe Creative. Ago it was, it was yeah, it was. It was 2012, and I tell you why I know yeah. that because, um, well, for, for anyone who doesn't know, the Adobe did this big thing when it was launching Creative Cloud, which was back in 2002, and it was a week of live mm. broadcasts from a lovely studio in London, mm-hmm. and it overlooked uh, Tower Bridge. And the reason I remember it was 2012 was because there were the Olympic rings that were suspended right. from Tower yeah, Bridge. Yeah, yeah. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, you were in various ways involved mm-hmm. um, around that. And, uh, yeah, that's how, I, that's how I met you. I, I remember at that when there was a woman. Do you remember on the last day there was, like, a panel, the live panel? Yeah. And you did introduce everybody. That woman. Do you remember that woman? I do, yeah. So, so we had this live audience of about 15 or 20 people. Yeah. Usually they were some PRs associated with Adobe or some influencers or whatever we called them back in those days. Yeah. I think that they were influencers back then. Um, but on the last day, you were on the panel and we yes. were talking about... Um, uh, it was retouching. retouching, yeah. It was it was retouching, and you were introduced as a, as as a retoucher, as a professional yeah. retoucher, and all of the stuff came out around. Well, hang on a minute, are we not promoting dangerous body shapes and all of this? And the daggers were turned woman. on you. Yeah, that one woman at the back, I remember. As soon as you introduced me, I could just see that one person was like these arrows, and her eyes were on me. Was like, she not know. a reporter as well that had been brought in? She was something. I think like somebody that. said she, she was a reporter yeah. that had been brought in to specifically tackle that subject. Right. And because I actually think at the end of it, as well, she apologised to somebody, not to me, 
But one of the other people who spoke to us said, I didn't mean to be like that, but it needed to be said. And I'm like, oh, well, thanks. Thanks for the pre-warned, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was interesting. So was that your introduction into the, the world of Adobe? Um, well, yes and no, in as much as the people in that world, such as yourselves and so many other amazing people who I met, I'd been using Adobe products for years before that. Yeah. And, and the reason I got that job, I think was because uh, I was doing some presenting stuff, bits of media stuff, and I have an agent. And she phoned up saying, oh, yeah, I've got this Adobe job, um, and, you know, they want you know, someone just to front some stuff. And I'm like saying, right, stop there. I need to write a pitch because I've been using Adobe stuff as, as a video editor and as a producer yeah. for a little while. I want to tailor my pitch and just say, hey, look, if you need someone who knows the product, not someone who can smile in front of a camera yeah. and read an auto cue, but someone who knows the product, mm. then I'm, I'm your man. So I wrote the pitch for my agent. Yeah. She put it forward to the, you know, the powers that be at Adobe. And, uh, and I got the gig, and it was, like I say, one of the highlights of my career. And I can happily say that six years on, after having done, done some great, great, really, really enjoyable jobs. Yeah. That one week was so intense, but mm. I met so many people who, like yourselves, I'm still friends with yeah. so many years later. Mm. It, was, it was a really, really good week. But, okay, so that's that thing with Adobe there. So now here we are at the, the photography show. 2018. 2018. Yeah. This is now the fifth of the of the. Oh, I won't say the new incarnation because the the misconception is that when the previous oh, event fo finished, uh, focus. Yeah. But yeah. this is a completely brand new event, and it's fifth year now. Yeah. And I think you have been the voice or the interviewer of the event under various guises. Well, my first year was the first year that it was the photography show. And this yeah. was 2014. Yeah. I saw that there was a photography show and um, I was just looking for some work at the time. <laughs> so I wrote an email to the um, email address that was on this photography show website yeah. uh, to uh, Cassandra, who was yeah. uh, Cassandra Grant. Cassandra yeah. Grant. And I just said, hey, look, uh, I just want to be involved in this photography show because, you know, I, I know a of the industry I know some of the people I can see on your speakers list and I don't really care in what capacity I just feel as though I should be there some way yeah. or another next thing I know she's on the phone to me saying right well actually we're having some TV coverage we've got our own little TV station that we've that we've got for the event um, we need two presenters for it they've got one you sound perfect for the other so we can't get you on the stage interviewing any of the you know the photographers yeah. or anything but if you'd be happy waving a microphone and you know asking getting hands on with the cameras I'm going this sounds like heaven <laughs> and um, so yeah I did that job with another presenter called Charlotte and that was it that was the start of uh, five years now with, with the photography show yeah. um, getting in touch again with so many more with, with you guys again and a lot of the same people who were involved in that Adobe job all those yeah. years ago uh, yeah and I, I love it this has been one of if not my favorite job every year these four days yeah. uh, you know and it's like i mean dave as soon as i saw you earlier today time for a hug you legged yeah. it yeah <laughs> <laughs> no it's nice and, and like, i mean glenn knows i'm i'm not i'm not comfortable in front of camera I, the podcast has been great because it's you know face for radio but uh, the past couple of years you've come and interviewed me yeah. and uh, and it's quite intimidating because i'm having to be talk about my stage and what's going on and I know you're running around all over the place and we can't do like several takes so like today I was actually pleased to see you like I want to I want him to interview me because you make it so comfortable but then obviously over the years you've done it I watched the video recap the recaps and you get to interview the super stage guests it you know open in the show and they're always great interviews and you just seem to like you say you know the show now you've grown you're part of the show mm. that people seem quite happy to talk to you because they trust you they know you're not gonna be you know i'm i'm not Newsnight. no i'm i'm not there to catch anybody out when i'm walking around with a microphone yeah. that doesn't mean that i won't ask the awkward questions particularly of um, sometimes of vendors but, you know, not so much because you do, you do build up trust. Mm. Yeah. But w when it's a super stage speaker and, uh, you know, m m my job here at the show is to interview some of the you know, 
amazing people that they get in to speak on the super stage. And sometimes I think, actually, yeah, you can handle this little bit of challenge here. I'm going to ask you the awkward question, not because I want to see you squirm, yeah. but because it's the question that people who are watching are wanting me to yes. ask. Yeah, That's like this kind of podcast, really. We're kind of finding that we're saying the things that people see and hear themselves but don't want to kind yeah. of be the people to say have you noticed this <laughs> i explained it today is it feels like a i said because the the great thing is glenn's photography business photography industry i've i've been lucky enough to be in this world that you, you and i both are both in a world without being a photographer mm. and yet we're accepted and people you know we we got great friends but we said it's like an intervention sometimes. It's mm. me going to Glenn, why do people do this? Mm. Why, am I missing something? Is there something in the photography world that people feel uh, they have to behave this way or react this way? So a couple of things have been, we've said, you know, we've noticed something that winds us up, we don't like, mm. why, what, why do you do it? And we asked, and we've gone, prove us wrong. You know, we don't want to be two whining old men going, don't you hate it when? <laughs> But it's been quite loads of people have come up today and said, I love the podcast, you made me stop and think about, uh, I use too many hashtags or just silly stuff. But with with, what this this podcast is, I know obviously because you did the intro, okay, so you, and you, I know you've listened to a couple of them, so you know yeah, yeah. how the kind of feel for this podcast is going, and it's not a typical kind of podcast, I think, with asking people what inspires you, what motivates you, and that kind of stuff. It's kind of straight talking. Yeah. So with you being involved in this, you know, from the Adobe thing, now you're here at the photography show, you get exposed to a lot of people from all different areas. What is it that, because we talk about loves and loathes on this mm. podcast, what is it that you love about this whole thing? What is it, you know, because you know, you wanted to be part of this. Is it because you thought this would be a great work for me doing what I love to do? Or is it the actual industry that you just love being around? And if it is, why? So if I've been on a journey over the five years now that I've done the photography show, it's, it's been this. And I'm not answering your question yet, but I promise I will, I will get to it, Glenn, I promise. Um, I, I'm a techie, and I, when, I, I, I know you don't want me to talk about, so where did your passion begin, David, and all that yeah. stuff? No, but I'm, I, I, I'm going to go back, yeah. because I, I grew up, I was born in the, in the mid-70s, and I grew up, I got BBC Micro uh, <laughs> home computer at the age of uh, six or seven, and I grew up... Uh, I'm brilliant. <laughs> yeah. We, we, you know, my next door neighbour had a Sinclair Spectrum and like yeah. Commodore 64. I grew up in that time when science fiction, home computing, tech was totally accessible yes, yeah. to me, and um, that has stayed with me throughout my life. So I'm very comfortable with tech. I love getting hands on with stuff. And in my twenties, early thirties. I wanted to present the gadget show. Mm, yeah. You know, Thursday evenings were all about tomorrow's world. Yeah, uh, yeah, and, tomorrow's world. Yeah. and I read Stuff magazine and I read T3. This was all alongside a fairly dull job at times working in IT. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, I wish I could bring together this love I've got of consumer tech um, with the, 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 this other thing of kind of standing on stage in front in, and talking in front of people and not being afraid of making a dick out of myself. <laughs> um, and, and, and bringing those two things together, that, that happened, that started to happen, and, and the Adobe thing was, was quite a big part of that. But my journey, coming back to photography show, uh, I came into the photography show not as a photographer, but as someone who loved the tech. Yeah. Right. And it's like, oh, brilliant, you know, there's a, there's a 1D what, what 1DX over there, let's get hands-on with that. Gosh, how many, you know, how many frames a second is that doing? Amazing. And yeah. doing that, doing that with, with all cameras. And then, and then I get thrown an interview with a super stage speaker. And the, uh, I, it happened two or three times in that, in that, I think it was the second year. And all of a sudden I felt like a fool because I was talking to someone who is a re- world-renowned photographer. Yeah who could not give a monkeys about the camera. Their eye is their tool. Their creativity, their preparation yeah. on the way mm. to the shoot is the tool. And I felt so foolish because I've been at this photography show getting crazy about the kit. Mm. Yeah. Whereas really that felt to me in those moments when, it realized that when I realised it that I was kind of missing the point because yeah. the kit is just the tool mm-hmm. yeah. to try and capture an image and, 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 and to to create this vision. And I, that completely 
pass me by. So that's the journey that I've been on. And that was when I started taking the photography in the photography show more seriously. Mm -hmm. And that's why now when I'm when I get to interview, you know, I research, research their work. Last year, Sebastian Salgado. Yeah, oh, great. my God. I mean, and I love the interview, and I researched the arse off of those interviews. Yeah. You know, I, I will, I look on YouTube, I look on TED, um, uh, I, I look at all of their work, I see the kind of things that they've been asked before, the kind yeah. of areas I know that, well, if the interview's not going all that well, or they're a bit tired or whatever, I know that if I ask them that question then they're on safe territory and I can get them talking and then I can start asking some questions that, you know, kind of tickle my fancy. You get to know them. You get to tune into them a little bit more. And I think because uh, I was already tuned into cameras and the tech side a little bit more, I was was missing the photography itself. That's been my journey. And and I've loved that. I love the... So to answer your question eventually... No, I like the lead-in. I like the lead-in. That's good. Yeah, um... The lead-in is completely irrelevant to my answer, I think, but <laughs> the thing that I've, I've genuinely loved is the fact that I'm sat here in a hotel room with two blokes who I've known for a little while now, yeah. who I see once, maybe twice a year, yeah. um, and it's like we're old mates. Yeah. And there are yeah. so many people around the floor yeah. for whom that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. And this is exactly one of the things we talked about in episode seven, because we did have a positive uh, episode, didn't we? Yeah. We talked about <laughs> what do we love. And one of them was, it was the fact that, I, I mean, we've both made some incredible friends that we would not have met had it not been for the industry. So, that's what, so it's interesting yeah. you say that. With all that you have access to here, it boils down to that again. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, the, the kit's there and that floats your boat. Yeah. But you mentioned about having the, the friend sort of thing. And like you say, from the interview point of view, is when you see uh, Lewis Hamilton being interviewed, they don't talk to him about the car. They don't talk to Andy Murray about the tennis racket. They mm. talk to him about yeah. the, the, I'm not going to say the P word, <laughs> but their, their love of what they do. Yeah. And, and I know you're a real tech guy, so you just don't do the photography show. I mean, I know you've been on, you get called up for TV stuff, and that was one of the things that interested me, and I asked you this earlier. Yeah was you kind of have to be the expert asking the questions. Yeah. And I, I know when you've posted on Twitter in the morning, off to BBC, off to Watchdog, off to Breakfast Telly, because Bitcoin's just gone tits up or uh, that, that someone's been hacked. Yeah. How, is that, is that a difficult thing? Or because your tech background, you kind of, already half know the subject are you sort of cramming on the way to the studio so that you're not caught out or i mean do you turn things down because you're like i'm not the voice of authority here uh yes to all of the above yeah um I, the ability to be an instant expert in something uh is part of what i practice yeah. but a key part of that is knowing, I think, when I don't have the authority to speak on this thing. So uh, one, of, one of my jobs, uh, I do Good Morning Britain, uh, which is a, a breakfast TV show on ITV uh, over here in the UK. And um, typically how it works is I'll get a phone call quite late at night <laughs> from whoever, you know, one of the, one of the uh, producers or the news editor saying, David. <laughs> talk talk have just been hacked or um, uh, there's been some more nude celebrity pictures that have got leaked or these hoverboards they keep exploding you know (laughs) how can we move can you can you come down to the south bank tomorrow morning to the itv studios and can you ride a hoverboard in force 10 gales and minus three degrees and uh, show us that actually they're quite safe um and my job between uh, midnight and half past four, five o'clock in the morning when they send a car for me is uh, to try and see if I can move that story forward yeah. and to hit that screen in the, in, in the morning confident that I'm the authority on that subject. Yeah. And I think it's the same whether you are a, a special correspondent for Sky News or whether you're Rory Kethlin Jones at the BBC or, or whoever it is, um, that you can't be expected to know everything. No. And, and technology in particular is incredibly diverse. Yeah. Whether you're talking about you know, the number of megapixels that the new 
Panasonic G9 has, yeah. which is ludicrous, frankly, or whether it's uh, the social impact of Russian meddling uh, in in various elections around the world. It, it, it's huge, and, and nobody can be expected to know all of that. Yeah. But what I am is a safe pair of hands, and the news outlets that phone me up late at night know that by chucking me that, that hot potato, that I'll, I'll catch it, I will open it up, stick some butter in there and give it back to them nice and tasty first thing in the morning. <laughs> it, is, it is very stressful at times. And um, I mean, so yesterday I, I filmed for a show called Rip Off Britain. And uh, my, my remit yesterday, so I, I've had a week of it, was to go to the Arndale Centre in Manchester to find a Bitcoin cash point and explain to uh, Julius Somerville, one of the show's uh, presenters, how Bitcoin works and how not to get ripped off by Bitcoin. And we were all in a car on the way there and they were uh, plugging me questions about Bitcoin and it wasn't making any sense at all because it's one of the most complicated things to explain how cryptocurrencies work, how this thing called the blockchain works, how my mum can get involved in it if she really wanted to because yeah. that's basically who my audience is on, on daytime yeah. TV will my mum understand this thing if well, I explain it to her and if she doesn't understand it then I've not done my job yeah. and so I, frankly I was bricking it thinking no one in this car understands any of the answers to these questions that I'm giving this is just going to go so wrong and then do you know what when the camera started rolling um, it, it just worked was I panicking that much? No, because I do have a sense of trust. And I think over the years that I've been doing this, the number of st- potentially sticky situations yeah. that I've been thrown in, whether it's a last-minute interview at the photography show, here's, here's David Bailey, go and speak with him. Yeah. That, was not a, that was not a pleasant interview, but we'll come back to that in a moment. Yeah. Um, oh, I like this. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I have a sense of confidence in myself that, I've, that I'm able to pull it out of the bag. Five or six, six or seven years ago, perhaps when you were on that panel, Glyn, yeah, yeah. and that lady was pummeling you with these awkward questions, I don't think I would have known how to handle that as well as I do now. Yeah. Yes. You know, to, to, to shut down the, the hecklers politely mm. and move on to the next topic. But certainly that is something that I think I have learnt over the last few years, a, a sense of confidence in myself and knowing where my own boundaries are yeah. and going, actually, you know what, in the time we've got, and it's not an, it's not an area that I'm that, I'm that across I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. I'm ever so sorry. Yeah. But here's someone else who I know who will. Yeah. And you have that. goes back to the, you may not have the voice of authority on the subject, but you have a voice of authority. Mm. So I think the fact that you are such a good interviewer and, and like every time I've seen you on something, whatever you've been on TV or at the photography show, you have an air of confidence about you. And like your voice is, is great, which is why we, you know, <laughs> we pick, and, and you're easy to listen to. So I guess for me, when I hear your voice interviewing someone, I feel compelled to give you good answers because you have the authority. I've seen some awful interviewers where they're arm and are and mumble. And if you've got somebody who's a big name who doesn't suffer fools gladly, mm. you're not going to get a great interview. Let's come back to Talking David Bailey. Just, say, come on, I'm chomping at the bit here after you mentioned David that. Bailey. Easy. Sorry, I'll over to you. Yeah. So I think it was probably two years ago, two or three years ago, when David Bailey was speaking on the super stage here. Yes. Yeah. And all the way through, it was like, yeah, we're, we're not going to get to speak to him. His people won't let us speak to him. Whatever. And my producer uh, here, the the guys at Silverstream TV who produced the video. Uh, that the photography show uses, uh, I think she basically doorstepped David Bailey and um, uh, before his talk, and she goes, right, we're in, you're on, we've got 20 seconds, go. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, why did I not prepare for this on the off chance that we might speak to him? Everyone had said, no, 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 no. All I knew about David Bailey was that he doesn't suffer fools gladly. Yeah. If you get more than a one-word or two-word answer, then you're doing okay. And, um, yeah, I think my nerves shone at the beginning of that interview. And the, the body language, I, I, if I close my eyes, I can still see it. And, unfortunately, it might be on YouTube somewhere. The body language at the beginning of that interview is that I think he's got his legs crossed. We're in chairs next door to one another on the on this empty super stage theatre, yeah. and his body language is completely away from mine. I'm leaning in, trying to like kind of get some of his 
body space or something, just trying yeah. to get his attention. And I was getting those one and two word answers to begin with. And the problem with those short answers is that he doesn't give you a hook to ask yeah. any follow-on questions on, yeah. which if you haven't prepared, if you haven't had a chance to prepare, then your first question is, so tell me what you were talking about on the super stage just now, or, or, or tell yeah. me about the, thing, the, the award that you've just been given. That then gives them a chance to talk about something they know about, yeah. and you will find some mm. hooks to hang your next questions yeah. off of, okay? I didn't get any of those, and because I hadn't done any preparation for that, for, for the reasons I just said, I was scrabbling around a little bit. Anyway, the, a lot of the rest of the interview is a bit of a blank to me. <laughs> but what I do know is that, is that for the last minute, I think we kind of tuned in with each other a little bit. And I remember from the video when I did watch it back, kind of uh, cringing, <laughs> um, his body turned around towards me. Uh, and, and we were kind of mirroring in that good, in, yeah, when, when interviews yeah. are going well, the mirroring thing is happening. And uh, at the end of the interview, uh, I, I might be fabricating this in my mind a little bit to kind of make me feel better, <laughs> but there, there either was a physical tap on the shoulder or something saying, yeah, good luck to you, kid. Yeah. Oh, nice. So over the course of the interview, I like to think that I won him over a little bit with, with my line of questioning. Yeah. But because I didn't go into that prepared, um, I learned the hard way that you, uh, yeah, David Betty doesn't suffer fools gladly. And I, and I was a fool on that occasion, or the, the, the circumstances dictated that I, I wasn't as prepared as I would ideally have liked to be. And that kind of follows through with everything, doesn't it? And here's me trying to be clever now to bring it round to what you and me do, being prepared. Do you know what I mean? You sort yeah. of get prepared. Get, it's like one of the things I always, um, when I talk about doing photography, is uh, I'm big time into planning and preparing and all this kind of stuff. So I will have mood boards and I will speak to the, you know, the client beforehand or the person I'm going to be photographing for a personal project so they know exactly what it is that we're going to be doing. So when we go and do the photo shoot, there's no kind of let's see what happens and stuff like that. We know they were going, you know, being corny, focused on this is what we're going to be prepared to do and we get much better results. Because before when I didn't do that, and you get to the studio and you'd be like, okay, so what should we do? The results showed, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So it kind of translates across with everything, doesn't yeah. it? It's ne there's, you know, there's the negative mirroring. You know, yeah. like you know, <laughs> yeah. where instantly yeah. you're getting nothing from the other person. And it's a horrible feeling because it's, can I win it round or do I just write this off? And I think for the David Bailey thing, I'd seen so many interviews on YouTube which are generally the ones, watch this girl get destroyed by David yeah, Bailey, watch yeah. this person get nothing out of David Bailey. And, and it paints him in a bad way as well, because he's probably been our, you know, it's like the Rolling Stones. And uh, it was funny, some, I did text, I won't name the person because it's not fair, but I did text a well-known person, yeah, David Bailey is at the photography show. And their response genuinely was, who's David Bailey? Oh, I know who Which I thought, yeah. okay, do they, do they not know who David Bailey is? Or are they playing the joke of people my age, which is the old advert with the Olympus, oh. where the wedding photographer and he David Bailey walks up and he starts taking photographs. And the old boy's like, oh, what's that little camera you've got? You want something big like this? And then the lad goes, do you know who that was? He goes, who? David Bailey. And the guy goes, David Bailey, who's he? Yeah. And people of my generation, you say David Bailey, and everyone over 45 in their head go, says, out loud or in their head, David Bailey, who's he? Yeah. So I've gone back thinking, there's no way he knows this advert. This, he genuinely doesn't know who David Bailey is. Yeah. And he's like, he's Austin Powers. I mean, David Bailey transcends the photography industry. And I'm aware that a lot of the people who... Uh, I, who I interview, who are speaking on the super stage, I wouldn't know where I not. I might know their work. I might, yes. I might have come across it, but I wouldn't know their names necessarily. Yeah. But David Bailey is someone who certainly transcends that. Yeah. You know, I think most people in, in popular culture yeah. would know who he is. Is there anybody you've absolutely like proper geeked out over that you've been sat in front of and been, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, or have you not reached that point yet? Oh gosh. Uh, yes, um, and I'm not sure how many people would understand it. So uh, last 
last year. Uh, last year, I was in Ireland in, in Galway uh, with uh, RTE, the Irish Public Service Broadcaster, and they were uh, hosting a, a conference about um, journalism and innovation in journalism. Journalism. It's called MojoCon, and uh, ostensibly it started off as a conference um, to help people use mobile devices for professional news gathering. So how you can use this high-definition 4K camera on your smartphone, why can you not use that to capture stills, but predominantly video, that play out on news bulletins? Yeah. You know, why is there so much snobbery in the mm. video industry when it comes to, oh, no, well, actually, that's not 422 10-bit, 50 megabit per second BBC standard. So that shot of... I don't know, whatever it is, a skyscraper falling down or, or, or whatever, this news thing breaking, we couldn't possibly play that out on the network because it doesn't have the, you know, the, 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 the picture quality that no bugger would ever notice. Yes. <laughs> okay, so, so, so this conference started out as a movement against that because these phones can capture amazing, amazing yeah. stuff. Anyway, um, uh, there are, I'm a sports fan. I'm a Leicester City football yes. fan quite a lot, and I listen to the football, as indeed I was earlier this evening. And there's, um, there's a particular commentator who uh, works on BBC Radio 5, the, the, their sports network, who is, has been, certainly in the past, prolific with using mobile devices for content creation, for t taking pictures at the US Open yeah. and, and doing funny things with them, you know, making, <clears throat> de desaturating them all, but just colouring in the green, for uh, using them to create 20-second match reports on Twitter. Again, all shot using a mobile, but, you know, uh, using something like a pick-play-post to use tiles and, and animate them, yeah. but also for doing live studio interviews, multicam live studio interviews, cut between multiple cameras, again, all shot and broadcast directly from smartphones. He's a commentator called Conor McNamara, an Irish, uh, an Irish commentator. Uh, I love his work as a commentator. I love his creativity um, as a mobile journalist. And then when I heard that he was speaking at this conference and I'd be interviewing him, very similar to what I do here at the photography show, I geeked out. Quite a lot, <laughs> um, because he's he's a personal hero. I don't know how many people uh, would class him as a hero of theirs or not, but for, as a sports fan, yeah. as someone who writes, talks, practices a lot of uh, smartphone creativity, um, he's been one of the most exciting people in the industry who who I know. So being able to chat to him about what about how he gets creative with a smartphone when. As a BBC commentator uh, and journalist, you've got so many other things to worry about. Yeah. Um, I found that to be a fascinating conversation, and I completely geeked out. So much so, I was saying to the floor manager, here's my phone. You couldn't just take a few pictures so I could <laughs> use it on social media, could you? <laughs> and I'm sure he appreciated you understanding what he does to get the best out of him. Um, maybe. I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right, so you mentioned uh, just... One thing that's just popped to my uh, smartphones, there's things that you can do on smartphones. Can you recommend as an app? Uh, to do what exactly? What's your favourite app? So um, I used to produce, re report produce a TV show called Planet of the Apps, which was a, a poor man's version of BBC Click or right. Sky News Swipe. And it was predominantly based around smartphones. Yeah. And this was, you know, 2012, 13, 14, when apps were still cool for school. And then people got bored of apps and so yeah. the show got cancelled. But as a, as a result of that, I got to spend a lot of time reviewing apps. And I particularly favoured those apps that helped me to be more creative yeah. with my mobile. So... Um, on the theme of professional content creation yeah. using using mobile apps, um, I'll, I'll name a few if I might. Go yeah. for it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So first of all, um, two apps that are great as a video camera. So you guys know your way around a camera one way or another, and I'm sure whether you're shooting stills or videos, you like those manual controls. Mm -hmm. Yet when you're on a, an iPhone or on an Android phone, you open up the stock camera app on that, mm -hmm. and it's a little bit basic. You're missing a lot of those controls. So I'm going to show you two apps, one of which is called Filmic Pro. Okay. So uh, this is an app that does pretty much everything it can to mimic a professional 
video camera, but on your mobile phone. So I've got a little folder here, Glyn, I'll, I'll just show you. I've got a little folder here called Pro Video. I'm going to open up this app called Filmic Pro. And on here, you've got all of the nice things that you might like to see. I've got separate, uh, separate exposure and separate uh, focus. I can have false color. I've got my sound levels on the right hand that side. That is really cool. I can choose uh, loads and loads of presets, uh, as you can see just here. You can change your resolution up to 4K or bring it right down to square video as well. Very popular for your socials. Jeez. I can have false color, focus peaking, zebras, all the good stuff. I can even faff around with a frame rate to be something up to 240 frames. I'm so glad we're recording this because yeah. I want to remember the name of this. Okay, so 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 that is Filmic Pro. Wow. And then there's one other that, I mean, and is that a paid app or a free app? It's a paid app. Okay. That's worth it. Looking at that, yeah. mate, that's worth it. it and, and that's the thing because for many of these apps, it's the cost of a cup of coffee, yeah, yeah, and you're no. getting professional-grade software yeah. here. The other app is by it's, it's a British company, very similar. It's called Mavis, and it gives you it, gives you the similar sort of thing. But you see, if you see here, you've got you've got the vector scopes. Um, you've uh, okay, so. This doesn't work so well on a podcast, but I'm showing this to Dave Clayton right now, and his mouth is agog, and he's going, oh, my God, does, is that a smartphone? That's actually a normal expression on oh, those. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so these are, in, in my view, two of the best uh, apps that you can use for a smartphone, and... Mavis isn't available on Android, but Filmic Pro That is. Filmic, I love that, the, the square video crop on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, that is really what makes cool. you switch between the two then? If they're, if they're two good ones you use, what makes you go to one more than the other? Is it indoors, outdoors, or...? Um, so, for example, uh, and I, uh, I say this, and I probably need to check, but I think that Mavis is the only app that will let me do audio monitoring. So if I'm recording with a handheld microphone, yeah. it will let me do audio monitoring of that over Bluetooth into some Bluetooth headphones. Oh, okay. So you do get you know, a half a second, quarter of a second latency with that, yeah. but it's still quite useful. And I was using that a few weeks ago, actually. Um, they're both very, very good apps, and I, I keep them on here because uh, I, I, just like to, I just like to play around with them, frankly. Yeah. So that's Filmic Pro and Mavis for capturing that content. Okay. And again, for people who, I guess, are listening to your show who might want to experiment with how a professional app might work mm. and you know mimic some of those manual controls yeah. on a smartphone that they may appeal. And then the second app that I've mentioned is called LumaFusion. And this is as close to something like um, Premiere Pro okay. or uh, FCPX that you're likely to get. Now, you can get iMovie for your, um, for, for your iPhone. Yes. I, I, I'm an iPhone user. I also do have a Google Pixel as well. I've got that Google Pixel too. I love I've, it. I've got a Google Pixel XL. Yes, uh, the, yeah. the, the first one, but I haven't, I haven't got the second one. It's a really solid phone. Not, not particularly exciting, if I'm honest, but it's, oh. it's a really good solid phone. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't have... So, OK, you've got me started now. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, no, it no. doesn't have wireless charging. It's not water-resistant. You don't have micro SD card in and out. And while I'm not all that fussed about micro SD card, the fact that it doesn't do wireless charging, whereas most other Android yeah, phones yeah. of that level do, uh, the fact it's not water resistant as well, and again, your Samsungs and so on, they very much are. It means that even though it's a really good solid phone, it just la it, it doesn't quite cling onto the top rung of the ladder mm -hmm. like the Samsung Galaxy S9 was that I was playing with a couple of weeks ago. Uh, anyway, back to my app recommendations. Yes. You're going to be sorry you asked now. No, no, this is going for um, it. Luma is is uh, an N uh, an NLE. It gives you multi-layer video, so many different um, transitions, and so it, it is, in some ways, I would argue, more powerful um, in terms of quickly being able to turn something around, yet still do cutaways, yeah. mm. uh, still being able to drag the audio uh, left, right and centre, still being able to tweak the video to within an inch of its life and do some, frankly, amazing stuff that you can't do very easily in Premiere Pro. And that's the thing about apps. Apps can do some really, really powerful stuff and make it really easy to do that. But if you try and do that on a desktop, mm, yeah. it's like, oh, actually, that, that's really complicated. Whereas on a smartphone, oh, there's an app that does that thing. It doesn't do anything else, but it yeah. does that thing really, really well. Yeah. 
So it's like, uh, it's just having the right tools in your tool bag. I've got some amazing video grade. It's a fantastic little video grader and it's really easy to use but so powerful. You try and do the same sort of thing on a desktop, you know, whether you're using uh, the, the built-in tools into Premiere or yeah. whatever else, and it's actually quite hard work. It is, yeah. Yeah, I overcomplicate a lot of it. Yeah. But what, and I think it's because with, with those desktop tools, and it's the same whether you're using those or whether you're using uh, Microsoft Excel or Word, the majority of people are using at most 5% yes. of the functions. Right. And the desktop, the, the desktop tools, because they've been around for so long, those functions, those features have grown up and grown up over the years to get people buying new versions yeah. of it. But actually, uh, these apps, by focusing on the functions that people use the most or actually just focusing on one particular function that is so niche that you probably wouldn't buy it if you didn't need yeah. it. Actually, I think they, they make these devices much simpler, much more streamlined for creating content yes. than, the, than the desktops can be sometimes. Yeah. And the fact that it, by the sheer nature of it being mobile is, you know, we've had the conversation before about Lightroom, mm -hmm. is, oh, Lightroom Mobile, Lightroom Mobile, Lightroom Mobile. You can do this on your... Find me a professional that, that retouches all their images on Lightroom Mobile. Um, I, I'll be, I would be surprised. It's a great, I think I, it was you I said, it, apps are like a pair of slippers. They're not real shoes, but, <laughs> but they, they keep, they, you can slip them on it and, and they're good enough, but you wouldn't go out in them. Sure, okay, but I think it depends upon your use case and what you're trying to yeah. achieve. So, for example, I come back to this whole thing about mobile journalism and why that was a little bit of a revolution when these smartphones started getting uh, full HD cameras. Yeah. And it's because... In the old way of working, if you wanted to cut a news package, and we're talking about news here, it would be, right, let's get a sat truck there, or let's get a guy with a big shoulder-mounted camera, and then a sound guy, and then a presenter there, yeah. and let's get them all there, and let, let's record it on tape, or maybe onto an SD card or something. Yeah. Brilliant, we've got that. Now... Let's go back to the office. Let's go back to the van. Let's cut that. Let's get all of that footage. Let's oh, transcode God. it into an intermediate format. Let's, you know, but the story's practically disappeared by the time you've got yes, it yeah. cut and ready to play out on the network. Yet, with a smartphone, as a, as a, a, a presenter, a reporter, as a journalist, you can set that up on a tripod. You can live stream straight back to the studio yeah. or you can edit it. You can research the thing, you can edit, you can cut and you can file straight to the newsroom before the guys have even pressed eject on their SD card, yeah. dirty great big uh, shoulder mounted camera. Is that the right thing for everyone? No. Is it the right thing for news? Yes. Absolutely, because it's the speed, it's the story that is the currency there. Yeah. Mm. And so that's why if you ask a lot of journalists... Um, the, you might get the same answer in terms of the pair of slippers thing, and I think that's a really good analogy, but actually quite a few other journalists who have seen the power of this and they realise that I can get my story back and out and on broadcast straight away, that's when that compelling use case for learning how to use these yeah. tools on your phone, on your tablet, suddenly makes sense, and that's when the power of the mobile workflow comes to life. Yeah. And so we call them smartphones, but they are just very powerful computers. Oh, definitely, yeah. You know, you look at the money and the cost of them now. Mm. Is oh, yeah. the uh, what was the? You probably could, could know the answer to this. What was the thing about the? I think it's someone said the Game Boy had more technology in it than the first space rocket. Oh God, yeah, no, and there yeah. are loads of different loads of different stories around that. Um, around how much you know that, that those how much tech how many kilobytes or probably megabytes just were on board some of the space the first yeah. things that went into space and how they're totally eclipsed by you know mentioning some eight bit computers the old yeah. Commodore sixty four and BBC Micro and stuff um, it's extraordinary to think that we even got machines into space back in the day and then you know now my smartwatch I'm wearing an Apple Watch here that's you know got maybe dozens of times, maybe more than yeah. went into those first space rockets. And we just take it for granted that it's, it exists for us now. Well, yeah. so, so look, the, the iPhone's 10 years old, coming on to 11 yeah. years old. I've, I've got one of these things here. This is an iPhone 10. I spent a lot of money on that. Yeah. I, I, I don't get any But look at what you're creating with it. Look, what, look the usefulness of having a powerful phone for what you're doing. Well, and look how much we take it for granted, I think, as well. 
You know, I mean, I mean, I think that for the first two or three years. So I've just come back from Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, yeah. the big mm. annual annual fair for for mobile. Over a hundred thousand people there, and the most exciting thing about that conference was the fact that Nokia. Remember Nokia yeah, yeah. did a a company that isn't even Nokia, who's got the got got the brand agreement with Nokia, released a reissue of the Matrix phone from twenty years ago. Yeah, I remember. That says quite a lot about the state of excitement around the mobile industry now, that a reissue of a 20-year-old phone stole all the headlines. Mm. Oh, by the way, Samsung brought out the Samsung Galaxy S9. That looks, looks to all intents and purposes, exactly yeah. like the last yeah, model. Sure. There's a few little edges that have been polished yeah. and so on. But there's very little what consumers and what the press see as groundbreaking innovation in the mobile space. That's because these things are bloody good. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. I, and it, and the hardware isn't where the excitement really is anymore. It's the software. Yeah. The, these little slabs of plastic and glass and you know little bits of microchip in there. They've now become that platform, and the apps are springing up and down off the top of it. Yeah. Um, and you know that's that's a little bit that's a little bit disappointing because for the last ten years, while well, we've seen brilliant, we've got a camera on the front and on the back, and wow, the screen covers the whole of the phone. Amazing. <laughs> that's all been quite quite. I mean. It's not that exciting, but we've got quite excited about it. <laughs> but, you know, in the, in the grand scheme of things, um, the, the hardware, and it's the same in many other places as well. I don't know if we'll, you know, in, in the photography industry, where cameras are, whether you would say cameras are becoming much of a muchness, I, I don't know. Yeah. Once the megapixel arms race has disappeared, there's a sense of diminishing returns on yeah. there. Um, that's certainly the way that, that, that smartphones are becoming. It's, it's the applications... It's the things that they enable, which is the excitement now, rather than how big the bit of glass is. And people are very, very take phones very personally. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I could talk about um, this conversation could, could be completely about apps and what you recommend, <laughs> but we're going to go off track here. Yeah. But I mean, this was going to be a quick interview, but I just could listen to him for ages. <laughs> I have so many more questions for him. But listen, I, I, I don't know what you think, but I'd love at some point if we can catch up again absolutely because there is so much i'd want to talk to you about because you know you're an insider as well aren't you? you're getting to see things that are that i don't know about that you're yeah. getting to sort of get around the world and see all these different technology that are coming yeah. out and i love technology i absolutely do i am i confess i'm a geek i love it yeah i'm off to hong kong next week yes. so i'm only here for the first two days of the photography show this year which is oh it, it uh it's a it's a long story but I am off to Hong Kong tomorrow night, so we're, this is Saturday right now, yeah. um, for the Great Festival of Innovation. And I get to spend a day of that. So I land on Monday night, Hong Kong time, have to do a thing on the Monday night. And then first thing on Tuesday morning, I'm on a bus to Shenzhen, <laughs> to the kind of Silicon Valley of China, where so many of the smartphones and the bits of kit that, mm. that, that I see in this room here uh, probably originated. Wow. Um, so yeah, who knows what I'll get to see yeah. while I'm over there, Matt. I'm very excited. It sounds like you're in, you are in the perfect job, aren't you? For what you, I have a varied life, yeah. <laughs> um, and I have the best the the best wife in the world. I was just going to say, as a as a father and two daughters, and yeah. I've got two grown up sons, but with two daughters, my job is now taking me, and my connection in the industry is taking me overseas more, mm -hmm. and I'm being involved in more things. So like I'm here. Uh, next month I'm at Creative South and I'm at Kelby One and uh, Photoshop World, Creative Pro, Adobe Max. Yeah. My wife's become very understanding because in the beginning, I, you know, it wasn't. Uh, she, she saw it more of, more of a jolly. And I know with you, you are on call, and I know it must be tough with young kids that it's kind of look. This is my job now, and I, and I, I mean, I remember I was at the airport. And so you checked yes. in, and I'm like, David, I'm in the airport too. And I came down, and his wife and two girls were waiting there with a big banner. Oh, wow. Was it Welcome Home, Daddy? And, and you took, you were there to take a picture yeah, of me. Yeah, and it Amazing. was just, I was excited that David was there and that I'd see him. Yeah. And then I met his family, and it was fantastic. So I know, like, the travelling can take its toll. So we've got one more question, really, is, that we haven't touched on is we've talked about all things we love and all the things that excite you. Is there anything about what you do, and maybe we've just answered the question, is what you loathe about it? Is there a thing that, is it the travelling and being away from the family or 
Is there anything else? It's a really good question, and uh, and it's one I find difficult to answer. I mean, to to address, to address the travel thing, uh, I don't I don't loathe the travel at all. Like I say, I've, I've a very understanding wife, and um, I I used to spend a lot of time on the road yeah. when I was work when I had a proper job. Uh, I was posted abroad. You know, I I, um, I spent uh, three or four months living in Amsterdam for a while, um, and I, I worked in the States and I worked in a, um, Bangkok as well. I spent an awful lot more time away from home than I do now, but that was before the family came along. Yeah. So uh, I enjoy travelling for short bursts. Yes. Um, the thing that I, the, the thing that I, I don't know if I loathe, but the thing I find most challenging about being a freelancer mm. in general, I don't know how to, to what extent you guys can relate to this um, with the different hats that you wear is um, how work doesn't level out during the course of a year. I'm going through an incredibly busy period right now where I'm having to turn work down, I'm having to juggle work quite, quite heavily and do some client management to try and fit all of the work in and yet uh, as as I'm speaking right now towards the, the middle of March I've got nothing in April. Oh, really? I've got absolutely nothing. Uh, no, sorry. I've got two days. Two days in Hamburg looking at aircraft interior technology. Okay. So in, sea, in flight, at sea, entertainment and all the tech around yeah. that. Brilliant. But I've got nothing else in April. And uh, while, you know, that, that's not something I can loathe because that gives me a chance more to kick to, off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah um, and also some more time to kick off some new projects. Yeah. Um, so I think that most, um, I don't loathe that. I accept it. I wish there were maybe a way that I could level out my work a little bit more. But yeah. then uh, don't, don't feel sorry for me because the answer is get a proper job, McClelland. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so if, if there's anything I, I, I loathe, it's uh, I just, and this is going to sound foolish, I work hard, but I just wish I could be a little bit more organised. And, and I do chastise myself quite a lot for not not being on the front foot as much as I'd like to be. There are yeah. some projects that I I see, some stories that I have seen, and I've got I, I don't have time to follow up on that, or mm. that's not, that's never going to turn anything turn into anything. And then what do I know? I turn on the TV or I, I pick up the newspaper. Someone else has done it. I'm going. I could have done that. That yeah. was a thing. I need to have a bit more confidence in my ability to to pick up a story from scratch rather than just jumping on when someone says, hey, Dave, can you come in and do this thing? A bit more confidence to, to lift things off myself. So, yeah. you know, we, I, I've been talking about the journey and this being the fifth year of the photography show and some of the questions that, that you've asked. Uh, and I think that's a continuing part of my journey. It's not loathing. It's just an area for improvement. Yeah. So do you have, is there a dream gig for you? Is there anything that you know is maybe achievable and you're just waiting for that in on it? Um, it's okay. always, there's always the one that got away. Okay. Um, and I don't know if it's completely got away yet. But don't jinx it. I'm not going to jinx it. <laughs> <laughs> there's a cu- there's a, maybe a couple of things that might change my working patterns a bit were they to come off. But I'm at the stage now where actually... Be careful what you wish for, or you might just get it. Yeah. And um, you know the thing that you spend so it's like you know meeting your heroes and being disappointed yes. by that. Um, I and you know the things that I've spent a long time kind of uh, wishing might happen one day. When you actually get quite close to them, you kind of feel duty bound to follow them through. Yes. Because yeah. you know you're thinking, well, in, in a couple of years' time, I might I might regret the fact that I never followed through with that thing. And then when you do find yourself following through, it's like, oh, actually, do, do I want that? Mm. Ooh. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry, sorry, I don't feel like being any more specific with those things. But, um, but yeah, who knows, who knows what, will be, uh, what will be kicking off this time next year? Oh, OK. Well, <laughs> it's Saturday evening. We, we do appreciate your time. We know it's, uh, you've got a long day tomorrow. Yeah, for those listening, it is 11 p.m., because yeah. we said to David, look, you know, just let us know when you're free. I'm free now. Okay. <laughs> All right, then let's do it now then. <laughs> we sat in a hotel room and, we, you know, we really appreciate your time and it's been absolutely enjoyable talking to you again, as always. So thank you. Let's do it again, guys. Absolutely. Yeah, there's more to go. I, I mean, I, we sat down and had dinner last year and I got mm-hmm. to know the backstory 
which is so interesting and fascinating. Well, I don't know that, so you've no, not shared, no, so no. then that's, we can but, say that uh, for another one. Yeah. <laughs> Just say that there's some, there's some pan- pantomime information as well. It's behind me now. And on that bombshell. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we didn't. <laughs> cool. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. You are welcome. <laughs> So as you could probably gather, we did uh, we we could have actually gone on for a lot longer there with David because when he uh, started talking about the tech side of stuff, he became so much more animated. I mean, great inside info. I wanted to know more about the apps, so we are definitely going to be getting him back for more stuff. There's loads of inside info, and do you know what? I could just listen to him talking about his world just forever. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. But as you, as you can tell from the time there, it was getting pretty late, so we needed to kind of move on from there. But we'll definitely be getting him back. Yeah, and we've got a huge apology to make because we should have said this at the beginning. A huge, huge thank you to the people who came up to us at the photography show saying they listen to the podcast and they love it. And, and, and they were, you know, kept saying, oh, Dave, you've taken the podcast to the next level. And <laughs> should I go and take Glenn a coffee and make him look busy and important? It was really cool that, you know, they were just saying that they'd taken the time to listen. And most of them had listened to nearly all the episodes as well, which I know, was and, you know, and there was more people saying they mentioned that they listened to the podcast podcast and there were who said they watched my youtube videos oh no it really is a sad day for you <laughs> it's bittersweet it's bittersweet yeah. but uh, no thanks to everyone that came along and um and you know speaking of interviews while we were there we also interviewed the guys from rocky nook scott and ted and uh, that'll be coming up very soon in one of the episodes uh and they also left us some books for prizes for um continuing their sponsorship of the show so thanks to those guys so uh, yeah really to wrap up thanks for joining us this week it was uh, we hope you enjoyed the interview and uh we'll see you soon and if and if you were there in the audience when i was on my live stage thank you so much for coming along really made it an extra special extra special day thank you so yeah goodbye goodbye see you next week cue music <laughs> cue music bye-bye bye Today's episode was sponsored by Rocky Nook, publishers of great photography books by authors such as Scott Kelby, Alan Hess, and our very own Glyn Dewis. For your chance to win a free book, just leave us a comment. We'll make it a good one, or we'll change it.